Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. So, thanks everybody who's been listening to the podcast lately. I've had a lot of fun recording the past bunch of episodes, and if you have gone the extra mile and listened to my friend Lauren and my and Larry and my friend Larry's and I's podcast, um, Uncanny Curves, every two weeks. Um, there are two episodes now. If you out now, if you don't already know about it, you can find it in whatever you're using to listen to me right now. Just go to that search bar, go to that app search bar and search Uncan- the Uncanny Curves podcast. And it's a, it's a podcast all about, mostly about how I hate Professor Xavier, but also about the 1970, mid-1970s Chris Claremont run of the Uncanny X-Men, and it was Lauren's idea, and I loved helping her out getting it started, and I love doing that with her every two weeks, because she's my best friend, and we talk way more now. Hi, Lauren! <laughs> um, but this week, I want to just kind of jump into it, and the reason is because this is going to be an odd episode. I've been doing movies lately, because I just haven't had the kind of time I used to have or the kind of luxury of time I used to have, because I work from home, and now that the pandemic is just, like, a thing that we all exist in, that means I also have to work, so I can't just, like... It's getting it's getting better now, because I do pretty seasonally-based design work, um, but I up until literally this week... I haven't had a whole lot of time to just sit down and watch stuff, and usually that's been spent either avoiding editing the um, fourth the fourth episode of Uncanny Curves, which I really need to do, god damn it, or I have been playing video games or something like that. But I also set up a movie theater, so I have the luxury of being able to watch movies real big, like as if I was in basically a not a full-on movie theater, but, like, a, a home movie theater, basically. And, like, a not, like, a thousand-inch screen, but, like, a 110, 150-inch wall-size picture. But I... So I've been watching movies instead because there's been... There's been... There's a bunch of anime movies that just haven't caught up on, so, like... That's why I watched um, the Eureka 7 movie. That's why I watched Pompoko, which was the last ep- the last third day episode, which turned into a whole the creep of envi- of the need for environmentalism because of the creep of global warming just because of people being people kind of thing. But um, if you are at all interested in anything I just said, definitely go listen to the Pompoko episode. I'm actually kind of proud of that thing. Um, but... I, so I've been watching a bunch of movies, and I'm going to start having more time to, um, watch full, to, like, watch full series or enough of a series to be able to, like, talk about it here, um, but today was a unique, it's going to be a unique thing, it's because it is a movie that anybody listening to this has probably seen in some form, but it is in a form that uh, it didn't need to exist in, but it does exist in, and that form, and that movie is Pokemon, the movie, 
Mewtwo Strikes Back. If somebody wants to battle, why not? Squirtle, you were great! Squirtle, Squirtle! It's finally awakened. The strongest Pokémon in existence. Mewtwo, that is your name. I will strike back against you! Acknowledged as up and coming trainers, the world's greatest Pokemon trainer invites you. The greatest trainer in the world is across the sea. We've just gotta get over there! Wow. What is that? We have given life to you using the rarest of Pokemon as a basis. If weak humans are allowed to govern, the world is headed for ruin. Which of you will oppose me first? I'm not liking this at all. You want to try. So, you do have some fight in you. Now, for those of you who are maybe on the younger side of otakudom, maybe you um maybe your old crotchety like otaku friend was like, "Here, listen to this guy. He's insane. He might hold your attention for more than fifteen seconds. You you'll learn something, snot nosed brat." <laughs> um, hi, I I love you if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but if you haven't, if you're not familiar with the the culmination that occurred with the first Pokemon movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back, it it's kind of unique in that it is it is it was this big it was like. The, the groundswell of the like late '90s original Pokemon boom was really focused into the um, the original Pokemon movie Mewtwo Strikes Back um, because it it was like so one of the reasons why why anime gets movies now is because it um like it's a re it's a reason for you to go see your favorite character in the big screen and it's just it's this it's this unique opportunity for the for for a the that show or that property to get 
just like a massive amount of money to do a thing with. That's why um, the um, Faint Day Night movies are movies and not shows. It's because they can do things in a movie format that you just couldn't do in a in a um in a TV in a television format. Part of that is because movie ratings are a little less or uh, you have to worry about less like surface area when it comes to movie ratings. You have to worry about the movie you're putting out at that point. <laughs> Um, I don't think there's any franchise, movie franchises that have jumped from, like, PG-13 to R or, like, anything like that. But the, um, actually Deadpool is one. They, they, a very Deadpool Christmas or whatever the fuck they, they called it is PG-13 because they made this weird Ralph Baccio thing so they could, you know, put Deadpool out in China and make all the money, which is... At, which is as insane as it sounds and is treated with as much, like, care by Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool as you would imagine. It's kind of... I haven't seen it, but the clips I've seen are fucking... Just, just the most self-aware that, like, oh, fuck. I've been turned into a money whore for, like, an hour and a half or something. But, um... So, you just... You have to worry about less... Like, of, like, the field of, like, what you can and can't do. Um, the line... There's... You get to put something in a theater, which is a big deal for, like... For for the people working on the property and, like, the, the brand and all this stuff. Because then you get to do the media blitz of, look at this big-ass awesome movie. And... It can be kind of forgotten. Uh, up until recently, it could be kind of forgotten that the first Pokemon movie was a huge thing. Like, it was a huge thing. It came out in 1998. The, um, I believe the first Game Boy games were out in, like, early 97. Actually, I think early, 90, early 1996. So you had oh, basically a year and then... Pokemon movie. It got big enough where the movie was just... It, it had enough groundswell where they could make a movie. It was... And I thought about this a lot when Pokemon Go first came out. And if you remember, even if you didn't like Pokemon... If you don't like Pokemon, you remember when Pokemon Game Go came out. Because everyone around you liked Pokemon. And everyone around you was like... I'm going to go out with my friends and do some stupid shit to catch some Pokemon. <laughs> Actually, Lauren, the host of, the host of Uncanny Curves, um, we, that was back when we actually were recording a week-to-week podcast, and she thought she had to cancel because she thought she had a date, except her date, who is now her ex-boyfriend, who, eh, um had to cancel because his friends dragged him out to the middle of fucking nowhere to go catch Pokemon. And, like, that was the cultural thing. And the reason why Pokemon is a cultural thing is because it existed... 
they existed in the space between the internet we know now and like the old internet when the internet was slow and clunky and you needed a lot of knowledge to be able to get stuff out of it and there wasn't a whole lot of streaming video. The advent of like streaming video and being able to watch anime, being able to watch whole seasons at a time or watch like one, or watch like, or to go off and do your own thing has kind of dissolved the like concept of monoculture to a huge extent. So whereas Pokemon got in before, before the, before the advent of streaming Everybody had to be sitting in, sitting their butt in front of the TV and watching Pokemon. Dragon Ball Z is really similar, actually. So you have this monocultural thing that everyone has experienced at at the same time because we all went home and we watched it after school, or we all watched it Saturday mornings. Like we all watched, you know, Pikachu Electrocute Onyx. And we all watched Brock's dad be a total shitbag. Like, I, all of these things. So it, it had the advantage of being the thing that just was culturally understood very quickly. And then the movie came out. And they, and this was also, like, this was the full height of Pokemon Mania. It was, like, trading cards, video games, all this stuff. And I actually got one later out of, like, a prize box for, like, a school, at school or something. But you got, if you got one of however many tickets, if you got a ticket, your ticket came with a limited edition Pokemon card. And that also helped sell tickets. And then... There was the soundtrack, which was, like, they got, they got all the big names and 90s people for the soundtrack. And then there was the kind of awesome vignette. They had an animated short. And they've, they've done this ever since with Pokemon movies in the same way that, um... Um... Pixar does with all of its movies. In the beginning of Pixar, Pixar has these shorts. They've spun it off now because it makes uh, it, it does great numbers on um, Disney Plus. But the Pixar shorts are these weird, great, many times experimental animated shorts that Pixar just makes. They don't make them with any goal. Sometimes they make them with a goal, and usually those are the ones that are the Cars shorts. But generally speaking, it's just like, what do we feel like fucking making? I, I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they held a contest of like, okay, everybody put your shorts ideas in a box. Jiggle, 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 jiggle. John, you won. We're making paper. Or like the one about the dog or whatever. Um, or the dumpling child one, which is unnerving. Um, slightly. But... So those shorts have always been at the beginning of Pokemon movies. And um, then fast forward to 2019 and you have this sudden revival of Pokemon movies. First, you have 
But the most important one is the first live-action Pokemon movie, Detective Pikachu. And Detective Pikachu is... I, I've talked about it on this podcast. I know I have. Um, it, but it is... It's better than any right to be. It's actually... As a movie, it's pretty fucking good. As a video game adaptation, it's borderline phenomenal. If you have not seen Detective Pikachu... It's on HBO Max right now, if you have HBO Max, but I'm sure you can rent it from just about anywhere. It's worth seeing. Just for like, oh, furry homeless Norlax. I love furry homeless Norlax. Um, also, Bill Nye's a bad guy, and he's really good at being bad guys, so that, that's a fun time. Um, but, and that kind of, that cat, because it was the first live-action Pokemon movie, that captured the, like, imagination of people in a way that, up until then, hadn't really been repeated by a Pokemon movie. Because it's like, I'm looking at a list right now, and there are, let's say, th- three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So there is Echo. What's three times eight? Three times eight is twenty-four. There are twenty-four. Um, there are actually probably um twenty-one because um actually there are twenty-three, sorry, Pokemon movies that are that are listed in this like Google page I have up in front of me. That's a lot of movies. And they span from and generally speaking, it's like one a year. It's like one a freaking year. And they span kind of from actually I'm sorry there's twenty two. Right there's a Yokai watch movie snuck in there. Um th- so these these movies came out like again and again and again and there's multiple um there's multiple versions of there's multiple versions of the first movie like a second movie that came out the year after the first movie there's Pokemon the movie 2000 which came out in 1999 and then Pokemon the Pokemon the movie 3 which came out in 2000 it's 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 some wild shit and it the only other movie that was as kind of as crazy and um and odd is Pikachu I choose you and that's the one where Pikachu talks and everyone is not okay with it. <laughs> but the reason why I'm doing all this setup for this movie is because the bottom line is you've seen this movie. It's this it's the first Pokemon movie. You can fast forward through sections of this movie if you've seen it and not be lost at all. It is the same characters. They have the same opening fight sequence. The big, the huge differences of this movie, other than the CG, which we'll get to, bully me, we'll get to, is that there is a. They didn't get the same um, musical talent. Because the when Pokemon was the thing, when Pokemon was the behemoth 
that it was when it first smacked America in the face and we like woke up with like a Game Boy in our hand and just very enamored by the shiny red Charizard card. Just knife fights in the streets enamored. Not kidding. Um, <laughs> that kind of brand power can get like, you know, all the, the massive list of musical talent that was on the Pokemon the movie soundtrack and can get like a it can have a great mo- a great song like Vi- like arguably my favorite song from Vitamin C the only one I truly know which is Vacation um which she put on another album after she put it on the Pokemon soundtrack to which to this day I'm like what are you doing <laughs> Why are you going to try and reclaim that from the Pokemon movie? It's not happening. So that's the first thing. And then there is no short preceding this. So we don't get a full 3D CG Pikachu's vacation. We just don't. And that makes me really sad because there's a whole bunch of like, there's like Snubbles in there, Meryl's in there, um... We do, however, get the opening sequence of um, of Pokemon, of the first movie, complete with the narrator, complete with, like, Ash and Don Fan and Pikachu, and it... So here's the point at which I talk about the CG, and we all know I'm not a fan of CG. I'm really not a fan of this kind of CG, where, like, the Pokemons look slightly like they're clay figures, and the people look like they're, like... They look like they're, they are reanimated freaking anime figures in, like, a, like, uncanny, like, creepy way. Like, they, they look like they're all... So a weird thing that you probably don't think about with Pokemon is all the characters, with the exception of maybe Brock... Who's not in every single ser- Pokemon series, but he's in enough of it. Are most of the characters at least are children, and they make a big distinction between child and adult. The adult characters in this look fine, but the child characters have this kind of like porcelain doll, rounded cheek face thing happening that just like. Makes you think that their mouths never completely close, would never completely close if they were real. Uh, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get away from that. Um, Misty's hair is a nightmare. Just the way, the way it's done just doesn't, it doesn't feel necessarily like hair so much as it feels like fur that's like glued atop her head. Um, but the other thing about this is, is that. There are just some things in hand animation that would just... The process would take longer. And the first thing I thought... The first time I thought about this was actually the... Um, was actually the scene where um, Ash has to... By the way, spoilers for Pokemon the first movie. If you haven't seen it, I can't fucking help you. It's, I mean, this is foundational knowledge, people. Come on. Um, and also, if you haven't seen it, like... Oh, well. Oh, well. You live in a world where 
90% of the people around you have seen Pokemon, the first movie. I guarantee it. Um, but the first scene I saw about that I thought about this in was when Ash takes like the evil, like the evil eyeball Pokeball down to the clone factory, and he's fighting off all the robot arms. And they I'm pretty sure they do have that scene in Pokemon. In, in the original movie, I didn't go back and check for any of this, but it made me think, like, that scene took a phenomenal amount of work in Pokemon, the first movie, in the original movie. Here, even if it only took a little less work, it took a little less work, and that allows them to do things like have moments of deeper setup with, between Mewtwo and um, Giovanni ha have, like, just, like, tweak things just enough to where it's worth it to... it. I can see a team of animators have it, obviously watching the original movie and being like, we could, like, tilt that not we could like tilt that 30 degrees and get a great weird dynamic angle on this and that would be worth reanimating this scene in CG and that's a that's actually a cool reason to remake a movie <laughs> that makes any sense um oftentimes we're getting especially from um especially from everybody not even just Netflix although Netflix may be a subject of an upcoming Sunday edition because there's some news that I need to vent about and like process through and explain. Um, but generally speaking, lots of CGI anime, there's no reason it needs to be CGI. There's just no reason it needs to be CGI. And, or, there's no reason it needs to be CGI to such the extent that it is. Um, if you're watching Fire Force right now, Fire Force is still on. I just started, I just re, I just jumped back onto Fire Force. That show, the like actual show, is gorgeous. The opening is amazing. The, the ending is so <laughs> like a fart in the wind bad because there's all you don't have to do a lot for your ending your ending let me put it this way you don't need to like get to the end of your show and be like okay time to it's time to spider verse this just down a bucket full of pills and go down a bucket full of pills stare at Spider-Man meme for an hour and go full madness on Spider-Man memes <laughs> which is if you haven't seen um, Spider-Verse once again cannot help you the end of that is just a massive tribute to what the internet has done with the Spider-Man and Amazing Friends cartoon in terms of the memes they have generated out of the stills of that cartoon. It is amazing. Um, but 
You don't need to do that. It's not this opportunity where you have to take a mute, make a fun, awesome music video out of it. All you have to do is like reground your audience, bring them out of the experience, and leave them like ready for the next episode. Next episode um, teaser, basically. The ending to. The ending to Fire Force, to Fire Force Season 2, I get their idea. I get their idea was, what if we made it like a video game? But somebody should have preferenced it with, what if we made it like a good video game? Because if you want to see the ending that's like, what if we made it like a video game? Go watch the ending for No Guns Life Season 2. That is like... What if we made a fighting game with all these characters? What if we made Street Fighter V with all of these characters? Let's go. And just... They don't... They don't pull it off with Fire Force. And a, but a huge part of the reason they don't pull it off with Fire Force is because it's just like... It's that crappy... Like... D-team... Not even B-team. Like... D-team... CGI. And the only time I've ever like noticed CGI in this in this show was literally in Fire Force was literally the episode I watched today when they like cut to a pipe to like as a as an establishing shot to be like this is how much it's fucking raining out to like make you feel the rain and they cut away from that so fucking quickly. <laughs> That's like oh Maybe, maybe the, we had to have it in. We thought it was still important to be in, but we don't want to focus on this. And so that's like the level of CGI that is, that you have to overcome lots of times. So in terms of like the CGI for this movie, for this remake of a movie, the biggest praise I can give to it is that it picked a style. It decided that it was going to make something that kind of looks like that um, re-release of the legend of that re-release of um, Zelda Link's Awakening. Does that make any sense? And it, like they all, all of human characters look like toys. All the Pokemon characters also look like toys. And the only, the only time at which like, you are aware that you've become, after you spend a while with it, the only time when you're super aware, like, this is CG, is once Jesse shows up, and you're just like, holy shit, these animators need to calm down. They got real horny for Jesse. <laughs> I think, I was thinking, because I do, I do these as a movie night every Tuesday. I, like, sit in my theater with dinner, and I, like, watch a movie. I was sitting watching this movie, and I just said, out loud, look at the dump truck on Jesse. And then I immediately was like, Alex, that is not okay. <laughs> because, like, I, and this goes back to the point I started and quasi finished with um, the difference between the, anim the straight animated and the CG animated version of these characters. There's some, there's some things you don't need to concern yourself with 
when you see Jesse from Team Rocket in the um in the in the first season of Pokemon, like you don't think like how tight are those clothes? You don't think that she's got a low rise crotch in those in that skirt. You just don't think about it. But when they get to it and they like have to do the model for the character for the animation, they have to make all those decisions. And they have to like give her just the most, the tightest skirt, and just the shapeliest fucking ass, and just, like, a deep crotch V that, like, says belly button, and then there's, like, a whole, I want to say, like, four inches below belly button, and you're like, whoa, okay, this is a, this is a move, this is a big move, um, and it's just, that, so that was like that. So between the children, the the thing I will say is, even if I don't necessarily think the CG is good all the time, I think that it's at very least it picked it it, it picked a lane, because the worst thing you can do is like a, a great example of ba- of bad CG of bad CG anime. It's actually a show that is much better than it's than the CG that it was made in is High Score Girl. High Score Girl just looks like a video game from 2001. I started playing... And the reason why they explicitly want to do that is because they want to make accurate representations of like Street Fighter and of, of especially Street Fighter in the anime. But, like, we're accepting humans. You can just paste the screen. You can, like, green screen it out and paste stuff in there. Late post-production, you can hand animate the rest of the show. I know it's more work. But, like, it just makes a better feeling thing because they didn't... They didn't take enough... They didn't take a... They didn't take enough of a artistic stance on... The look of High Score Girl, or on the end of Fire Force Season Two, for it to be worth, for for it to be worth the the trade off that you would receive for doing CG, and that's what Pokemon. I love what the Pokemon movie kind of knew it had to do. Uh, not only in this one, but in the Pikachu I Choose You one from 2017, it had to. Like, you have to take a stance, you have to take some sort of artistic, you have to have some sort of artistic vision, or else you run the risk of being overcome by the medium. But, by the tools. So, like, and I use this a lot in my drawing, so I'm not saying you shouldn't use it. But lots of people use posing tools. Especially when they're starting out drawing. I'm certainly not starting out drawing. I just use it as a way to, like, establish a pose, and then I work off of that. I, I sketch I sketch beyond, way beyond that. And I posted one of those to TikTok a long time ago. It's my most famous TikTok. I've gotten, like, something like 20,000 views on it or some insane shit. Um, for a while, every couple weeks, it would just go... It would 
go re-viral and get like a new groundswell of insanity. But something people said like, you know, like this isn't real, like this doesn't count, you use posing tools, you use the base model, blah, 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 blah. And what I would say to that is, and what I would say also about CG is, yes, I use the base model, or yes, you use CG. But the the core thing is what the great expression art is good artists borrow, great artists steal. And the reason why they said that is because it's not and another great um expression about art, specifically modern art, is the thing that's great about modern art is you could have made it, but you didn't. And just the kind of crux in both of those is is it interesting how you got somewhere? Yes. Is that the most important thing? No. The quality and creative value and creative value and thought behind the finished product is the most important thing. Um collage is a art form that exists entirely out of begging, borrowing, and stealing things from magazines, newspaper, whatever, to make something new. And so, the the biggest problem with most CG is that it doesn't, it doesn't choose the medium for the purpose of doing something interesting with it. It doesn't choose, it chooses the medium first, and I've talked about this in the bad, in bad, in both the bad CG episode and also the, um, I did an episode on Sunday edition about, like, the, um, merchandising potential of, like, of the, like, way anime can be merchandised out, but CG, the reason why they, why lots of studios do CG is because it's faster, and also you end with more. You end with a still usable thing. So traditional hand animation, uh, even when it's done using like a tablet PC and a fully computerized setup, you are making the character designs are the like are the things that will probably have the most value out of anime out of an anime production, because those will be used to inform, you know, potential video game models, potential live-action anime figures. Um, the case in point, Darling in the Franks is not a great show, but the character design of Zero Two is a everlasting eternal gift to the world. <laughs> and so now that, like, Smoking hot version of Jesse can be turned into an anime figure or used for some video game adaptation or something. That has more value than, but it's easier to do that with that 3D file than it was to do with a 2D drawing. So it wouldn't surprise me that event if eventually we saw like really great Pokemon figures, uh, Pokemon character goods because uh, they made this movie. <laughs> and... It, but most places do that, and it's like... The stuff just isn't good enough. Ghost in the Shell is another great example of this. 
the concept art they show it Ghost at the end of every episode of Ghost in the Shell 2045 is phenomenal. It's fucking incredible. Uh, there's nothing else that in Ghost in the Shell that looks like it. It's gorgeous. The colors are amazing. But the actual look of the show is like an unfinished, you know, PlayStation 1 cutscene. And it just... It, the whole thing... The whole CGI anime thing needs to be thought through better. And the reason why I'm not chiding the Pokemon movie, this Pokemon movie, or even the one that came before, since I've seen clips, because once again, Pikachu talks, and that's the nightmare, is that it took such a specific art direction in terms of the way it looks, that it turns that from a marketing choice, that turns that choice to be 3D CG from a marketing choice to a artistic choice because they, you know, use, they use the medium to make more complex shots, to make more complex shots, to have closer shots, to like, really like, expand on the visuals of the original film in a way that would have been harder if they were remastering it. If, if they just said, like, we're going to add stuff in and we're going to re-release this as, like, a 10th anniversary kind of thing. And the... Um, the... The... The second part of it, like I keep saying, is that they took the stance of, like, okay... This is how char- this is how Pokemon we've decided on how Pokemon characters look in this universe. We've decided on this, we've decided on that. These are the rules. We've created a new artistic rule brick. So when we make this thing, it will have a look. It will not just be CG paste. It will not be like and I talked about um I in uh, my um 3D CG thing, I think the thing that it was inspired by was um, the actually the end of the ending sequence for No Guns Life Season 2. And like I said, that thing looks incredible. It looks... It looks incredible. It does not look like, not realistic or anything, but it looks incredible. They picked certain characters for certain purposes for that ending and they, like, it's incredible. And it's just... Then you turn around and you watch something like Ghost in the Shell 2045, um, High Score Girl, and it just doesn't... It, the artistic vision isn't there as strongly. I'm not saying that people didn't work really hard on those shows or, like, they didn't, like, bust their ass to make those shows or the conditions in those shows were the same as the conditions on No Guns Life or the Pokemon movie. But I am saying that the final product, when you hold those two shows up against just an end sequence in this movie, 
they don't they don't connect well. And considering that one has a lot that one form of animation has a lot less work involved in it than the other and it's cheaper you should be able to do more with it and the Pokemon movie does that and it does that explicitly it's like okay we're going to really get into this and we're going to really make like you feel all the cables connected to Mewtwo's like power restraint suit and we're going to make you like it's going to get claustrophobic and weird when Ash gets in like on the conveyor belt fighting away at Pokeball from the, like, robot hands. And it... It's just... It's the reason you... It's the reason that you look at... Like, I just... So, this is where I'll probably end it, but I just started playing um, No More Heroes because No More Heroes 3 has been delayed till 2021. Um, But as a kind of make-good, they'll at least... No More Heroes 1 and 2, which are um, discounted right now on the, on the App Store, on the, um, on, um, the Nintendo Switch eShop. Those two... I've never played no more, the No More Heroes series other than um, Travis Strikes Back, which is okay enough for me to be slightly interested in it, but not okay enough for me to play it constantly, although I might play it after I'm done with 1 and 2 just to, like, continue the storyline, but um, and also I have it and that would be a nice, like, full loop, full video game narrative loop um I never played No More Heroes 1 and when I last saw it when I last saw it being played, I was like, wow, this is phenomenal I'm 5 or whatever the fuck um, I'm like, I'm like, I'm 15, probably. That game looks and feels so old, but what it's attempting to do is uh, potentially so expansive and so, like, it, that game is very clearly running up against its budget and its, and the technological constraints of the Wii that... You can rematch. You can like upred that thing all you want. Unless you rebuild it, it's not gonna look better. It's just not gonna look better, and or feel better. And it's just the the that's the reason you remake something. That's that's the reason that when you see a new medium, you're like, I need to remake the Pokemon movie is you see something and you have the opportunity and the opportunity presents itself and you can enhance on what's there. And I think that the Pokemon movie, for all of its, that this version of the Pokemon movie, for all of its faults, if you've seen the original, just, like, polishes up the concepts in it, like the, like, visual motifs in it, just enough by using the, like, abilities that you have easy access to because that are, are afforded to you because of CG that would be really expensive and really complicated and really time-consuming if you were to just do it in hand, as a hand animation. Even though it would be beautiful in hand animation, it would take a lot of time. 
the and this is really where I'm going to leave it. The the thing that we all take for granted as a fandom in terms of anime is that what we're seeing in when we see something traditionally hand animated, like say, uh, actually the perfect example, the example that everybody actually accepts is Akira. If you look at Akira, the level of animation, the reason why Akira is considered to be one of the, one of, if not the greatest animated thing of all time, is because it is a, one of the first times before or since, one of the only times before or si- then or since, that it was just no hold bar. It was like, here is, here's one dumb trunk of money we have. Look at this massive field of money. We, ha- we are growing money. We've engineered this money to grow on fields. Go forth, good sir, and give us Akira. <laughs> and the sheer amount of artistic skill, talent, and like flights of fancy in Akira is mind-shattering. <laughs> I talked um, on Sunday episode a while back about um, going to watch, like, watching the Masters is, I think, what I called it. And it's all about, like, go watch these weird YouTube videos where you get to watch, like, um, where you get to watch, like, the author of My Hero Academia just draw for, for a half hour. It will, it will amaze and inspire you. Uh, those videos also exist for Akira and, like, just breaking down frame by frame Akira, and you're just like, holy shit. That's a fucking lot. They also did something like this for Korra, and Korra has that same... Korra has the same feel, because... (laughs) I love this. The people who made Avatar The Last Airbender, like, hoodwinked Nickelodeon so hard (laughs) with Korra that they... Just got the this insane budget, this insane guarantee of four seasons, and they went for fucking broke. They went for broke. But the reality of the universe is that, like, it, it's not always a concern of you always have to keep you you of mouths need feeding, of stuff. Of mouth knee feeding is more a concern of the longevity of a studio. So I don't know if you remember that um, crap, crappy R-rated animated movie. Um, I think it was called like Hot Dog Party, and it was a R-rated movie about like foul mouth um, groceries. And it was pitched by um, the same guys who pitched um, who pitched and got. Um, super bad made, which means Seth Rogen and his writing partner. I forget his writing partner's name. But the big controversy with that was the animation studio wasn't paid. Like, Sony stiffed them. And Seth Rogen, I think, will never work with Sony again because of it. Like, he told them to go fuck themselves. He, he, they sold the script, and they didn't know what happened with the animation team, and they were just p- 
pissed. And when Sony says, like, you know, that's how we can make the movie on budget, that's not okay. You have to pay people. Like, the, uh, but at the same time, and once again, Sony, the people at Sony deserved what happened to them in that hack because of that horseshit. But at the same time, if you're an animation studio, or if your company producing an animated feature, do not take it on unless you know you can produce it. So by making a CG feature film in the way they did for Pokemon, they preserved the um, like artistic, the level of artistic excellence, basically, of what you what you should expect out of a CG feature film while also making something that is more expansive than the original film was and still being able to probably come in on some kind of budget. <laughs> because there's always a budget. Even if, even if you say there's no budget, when you start edging up towards a certain point, somebody would be like, oh, fuck. Like, I haven't been able to turn my lights on in a month. And I just... I wish that I wish that people would in the way I wish that more stuff in the way that Pokemon did that the this remake of the Pokemon movie did would look at uh, would look at a medium and use the medium to its fullest advantage instead of just using the medium for its monetary advantage and if if you were like I don't know about these these Pokemon, these CGI Pokemon movies, just give them a watch. They are, they are, if you're into Pokemon and like that, the other thing about these movies is they did something really smart for both um, Pikachu, I Choose You and this is Pikachu, I Choose You is a recap movie. It, it is, it, it uh, from what I understand, it's like a alternate telling of, Pikachu meeting Ash and, like, all their adventures and stuff. Mewtwo Strikes Back. The, the, um, or, um, the, this remake of the first movie is a remake. They are optional experiences in the Pokemon universe. It's not like Pokemon, it's not like Pokemon Black or White or something, where, like, it, and also all the Pokemon movies are like this. They are basically, um, they're basically Shonen Jump movies. Like, they don't, they don't matter. They're just fun adventures. And they're all treated like another episode of Pokemon. So, it... They did it in a way... They did it in a way with a series that could withstand it if you just don't want to see it. If you're just not that into 3D CG. But they also did it in a way that is more... That makes it that makes it that makes full use of the medium. And on that note, um, my name has been Alex. If you like this episode, you can subscribe to the podcast and whatever you can listen to me right now. Um, if you want to hear more from me and you want to hear me talk about X Men, go check out um, Lauren's podcast, which I co-host on with our friend Larry. Um, called The Uncanny Curve. You can find that in wherever you're using the list of me right now as well. Just 
go to the search bar in your podcast app of choice and type in the Uncanny Curse podcast. We're the one with the Wolverine meme. <laughs> um, I have the cover. I made the cover. Um, but until Sunday, I've been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio, and I'll talk to you then.